and welcome to the World of CONCACAF News Desk. We are back. I'm Eric Schmitz. I'm Jonathan Sleep. And I'm Donald Wine. And we have a World Cup. The 2022 FIFA World Cup is starting in less than a week. And uh, we probably should talk about it, right? I mean, it is only the, like, what, second or third most prestigious trophy out there. Yeah. Now, I mean, Nations League is number one. But yeah, I mean, after that... It's probably third now that there's no CONCACAF League anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's CONCACAF Nations League, CONCACAF Gold Cup, um, World Cup, AFCON. I mean, you're you're throwing in, like, the club trophies, like your CONCACAF Champions League underneath the world. I'll put the World Cup above that because, you know, cu- country over club. I feel like we can agree. But uh, before we get started, I do want to comment. I, you you can't see this because this is a podcast. But Donald, what are you wearing on your head right now? Well, first of all, let's talk about the jersey that I'm wearing. I'm wearing yeah, the jersey. Jersey's a dope. bespoke, a bespoke one of one Black Panther jersey because I saw Wakanda Forever today. Um, Wakanda Forever. I'm doing the sign for all you out there. But on my head is a bucket hat that you can get on the World of CONCACAF store right now. This one is bright orange. And let me tell you, it's bright orange. It's very comfortable. It has a liner in it that kind of resembles what you would see in like bathing suits, uh, for, for for at least for gentlemen. Um, but it's beautiful. And, and it has the nice little World of CONCACAF logo on it. And it is very, very bright. So you will be able to see me from a mile away. You cannot miss that. Like... That is, that is a flagrant orange, and it is That's very why I got it. Caffeine. That's why I got this color. There are several colors you can get uh, yeah. in the bucket hat, but I chose with just blatant orange, like bright. There's I some, mean, I mean, fire there's some orange. Other flagrant, there's some other flagrant colors there, too. So like, yes. don't uh, collect yeah. the whole set. You, Yeah, yeah. Collect the whole set. So if you go to our social medias, your Twitters, your um, Facebooks, your Instagrams, Instagrams. And you click on the link for our link tree. There is a button to go to the podcast store and view all of our beautiful merchandise. You can get a beautiful bucket hat, a beautiful t-shirt, maybe a beautiful hoodie, tank tops, a be- possibly a beautiful like uh, fanny pack. You can also get. I got a lot of. I got a lot of reviews. Uh, one of the designs is uh, a shirt that says "Concacaf is a vibes-based economy." I got a lot. Uh, of love on that shirt over the weekend when I was in Tampa. Uh, again, I also got it in bright yellow, so that really fit in with the culture yeah. down there. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you can you can get a lot of merch there, and I believe Eric for patrons, they have a nice little discount that they can apply as well. Yes, when we announced the store on uh, our Patreon, uh, we did put out a nice discount offer for all of our patrons. Thank you for your support. And now you can get swagged out for a discounted price and continue supporting the podcast. So appreciate everyone who's already purchased um, Donald, including you. I mean, you're, you're doing great marketing for us right now, um, but he will be ready for the cabanas when we hit him next year, but that'd be next year. Right now we have a world friggin' cup. So let's talk about the world cup and let's talk about, the CONCACAF aspect of the World Cup. We're going to go through all our CONCACAF teams and kind of run down what the deal is, give you a little bit of preview on what to look for. There is oodles noodles of of World Cup content out there right now. So 
we want to keep this as brief as possible because like there's a lot to consume right now and it's kind of overwhelming so we don't want to do too much but we gotta let you know how we're feeling about all this so let's start we're just gonna go in alphabetical order keep it fair for everybody you might say we'll go from worst to first but oddly enough we're starting with canada so canada back in the world cup first time since 1986 they are in Group F. They're scheduled for the tournament. They open up against Belgium on the 23rd. Then they face Croatia on the 27th and Morocco on December 1st. Now, as far as the roster goes, the big story was whether or not Alfonso Davies was going to be healthy for this. Alfonso Davies is on the roster, probably the most talented player in CONCACAF. Um, the key for can- any Canada success runs through Alfonso Davies. He is there. Um, they did have a little bit of an injury issue. Uh, Scott Kennedy, the defender, was, wasn't able to make it. He's got a shoulder issue. And if anyone watched the MLS Cup final, Maxime Cripeau, his leg was busted. Uh, so he is not going. But Alfonso Davies is there. Kyle Laren, Jonathan David. And the great story, I think, is Atiba Hutchinson, who at 39 years old, the guy who's been through everything for Canada is going to the world cup and very, very happy for him. So let me ask Jonathan first, what's the story here for Canada? I mean, I think the the story is just being there. Um, the, like you said, it's the first world cup that they've been at since 1986. Um, and, you know, I think even the Federation themselves are surprised, maybe not surprised that they find themselves here uh, at the World Cup, but maybe surprised at the at the way they got there, uh, the resounding success that they had throughout the uh, throughout qualifying. So, I mean, I think the story like and that's not to denigrate anything that they have done or what they could do in the tournament. Um, but I think just getting here is the story for Canada. Well, you don't. Yeah, that's part of it. I, I think also the the biggest story, or at least the biggest X factor entering the tournament, has been the health of Charlie Davies, uh, 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 Anto- Alfonso. Alfonso Davies, not Charlie Davies. Charlie Davies is American. Um, he's from Boston, so he's close to Canada, but not quite. He's not basically quite Canadian. Canadian. Yeah, uh, he's Canadian by association, as as am I, as a Michigander. But I digress. Uh, Alfonso Davies, his health um, has been a factor. He obviously was hurt last week. They call him into the roster. Keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, that they called him in as a forward, which is what he typically is on the national team. I know he plays left back for Bayern Munich, but he plays forward for Canada. And uh, the thing about Canada is that we've seen that they are kind of a tale of two teams with or without him. Uh, obviously, they still have firepower up front. Um, Kyle Laren, you know, Jonathan David, uh, Tejan Buchanan in the midfield. They, they have guys that can go forward. But Alfonso Davies is the guy that like, provides another element to their attack that no one else can really duplicate or replace. So uh, if he's healthy, that really will be the story for Canada because they'll be able to possibly do something in their group. But if, if he's not good to go, at least for those first two games, Canada could be in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Now I, for me, I think there's two different things. I want to touch on both briefly. One, I think the story for Canada is, that they're there and that they're this is like scaling up for 2026 because as a co-host they're going to get a, they're going to be there so it's almost what the u.s felt dealt with 
1990 leading up to hosting in 94. It's like, you have to prove that you're supposed to be there. And Canada, I mean, they did a great job in qualifying. They deserve to be there. So what they do from here, if they can show that they're holding their own, man, it can be great for their program going into 2026. The other thing you're. I think for Canada, the you're right, right. This kind of sets up whatever 2026 is. And I know we're going to talk about Mexico and the United States as well, but for all three of them, the expectations for 2026 are going to be very unreasonable for all three teams. This is about setting up so that those unreasonable expectations are a little bit more reasonable, right? Like, don't don't bomb out of the group stage and then say, oh, we're going to win the whole thing in 2026. Make it where people can go, oh, wow, if they get it together in four years from now and they're hosting it at home, they could be a team to be reckoned with in that tournament. This is about setting up those expectations. I think, though, that I will say, and we'll get into this when we talk about Mexico, I think Canada and the U.S. are in a similar way of like a lot of like it's building up whereas I think Mexico is in a bit more of transition. Um, and like I said, not gonna, we'll dive into that when we get to when we talk about Mexico here in a little bit. Yeah. But the other thing I was going to get to, and I think the story is John Herdman. Like Canada was probably the best coach team in World Cup qualifying. They were ready for every situation. And if Canada is ready for these teams, they could surprise people as far as the world goes. We know that Canada's relatively legit right now. They've got a very solid squad. If they stay healthy and John Herdman does his job, I think you could see Canada turning some heads around the world with their performance here. So saying all that, to you guys, what makes a successful tournament for Canada? I mean, I think getting out of the group is a huge success for Canada. The fact that you have... Belgium, Croatia, and then I feel like a lot of people are sleeping on Monaco, but I'm not Monaco, Morocco, um, sleeping on Morocco, and they're a very, like, very, very tr- strong squad as well. So I think getting out of the group for Canada would be a, a you know a pretty resounding success. Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, everyone's looking at Belgium and Croatia. Belgium has been number one in the world for several years and have been at the top you know, top two, three, four teams in the world for a lot longer than that. Croatia, a World Cup final, uh, you know, finalist four years ago and basically has essentially the same team trying to make one last run at it all. So everyone's putting them at the top of, of this group. But if Canada can sneak through, pick off one of those games and, and get a result in another, they could be leaving this group. And I think that would be incredibly successful for them. And because as we all know, once you get to the knockout stage, it's all house money. You're not, it, no one's really favored over the other. It's just a matter of who, who plays well on that day. But I think if they can show some promise and get out of the stage, they have to consider that a, a wild success, given the fact that, as you've mentioned, this is the first time they've been here in 36 years. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you guys say that because I think that means like the bar is high. Like for me, success if they win a game that is a successful tournament for canada mind you they've made the tournament once ever 1986 they did not score a goal in that tournament like whoever scores first for canada that will be the first ever world cup goal for the canadian national team 
So I think the bar is a lot lower than we envision it right now. But also, yeah, like if they can win, if that third game means something to them, it's great for the program. Great for the program because these are three. I mean, remember, it's November in Canada. Everybody is inside because it's fucking two degrees out to Fahrenheit. Like you're going to have eyeballs on this tournament. And if you can have three competitive games where everyone's like, oh, Canada is just as good as everyone else. I think that's a successful tournament, especially heading to 2026. So let me ask you guys this. We'll just, we'll wrap it up here. Yes or no, Canada advance out of the group. Yes or no? No. I'm good. I think they got a tough draw with group F. Absolutely. I'm going to say no, but I don't think they're going to embarrass themselves at all. So that's Canada for you. Next up, let's talk Costa Rica. Uh, Donald, do you want to give us a rundown on Costa Rica? Yeah, so Costa Rica, uh, we'll talk about the teams that they have in Group E, but they are in Group B in the World Cup. Uh, this is, you know, they've made five of the last six World Cups. So, you know, not a, a team that is, unlike Canada, that's, you know, appearing back on the world stage after a, a lengthy absence. They were in 2018, they were in 2014. So they're trying to build upon what they've, uh, those experiences that they've had in the last few World Cups. The only one they've missed out of the last six was South Africa in 2010. So uh, again, a, a familiar face uh, at these World Cups so far. Their their roster really doesn't have any major surprises. Uh, most of the veterans and most of the guys that they've expected to make this World Cup really made it. So, uh, I mean, you have to start with, and I'm going to take a few of these veterans that you're going to see. Kaylor Navas at goal, obviously the best goalkeeper, arguably, in CONCACAF. It Costa Rica has proven to be a much different team when Kaylor Navas is on the field than when he is not president in the lineup. So having him is going to give them a chance uh, if he can get hot. You know, defenders, Francisco Calvo, Kendall Watson, Brian Oviedo. These are guys that people uh, who have followed Costa Rica or at least have heard of Costa Rica over the last nine, 10 years. They've heard these names many, many times at midfield. Celso Borges and uh, Brian Ruiz, again, a lot of familiarity there. And then up top, Joel Campbell and Johan Venegas. These guys are counted on to provide the attack for Costa Rica. And with this continuity, this feels like the last real shot that they have to really do something and get, I mean, they went to the quarterfinals in 2014, 2018. They didn't have as good of a, a an outing, but I think this is the last chance for this group to really do some damage in a world cup. And so that's where uh, they're taking these veterans because they have that one last opportunity. All right. So Jonathan, what do you think the story is here with Costa Rica? I mean, I think it's the stories. It's an aging squad. Uh, I mean, he just listed off guys like Brian Aviedo, Brian Ruiz, Joel Campbell, um, and, and Kaylor Navas as well. So I think it, this is, um, you know, the coach going back and selecting a, a team that, has performed well in the past uh, and riding with those hands rather than, you know, bringing in some newer faces. What about you, Donald? I think for me, the story is Kaylor Navas because Kaylor Navas has been a guy, again, like I said, has been the best 
goalkeeper in CONCACAF for a very long time. He's played in some of the biggest games on the planet. He has made some ridiculous saves, both for club and country. And he has been living proof that if you have the best goalkeeper on the field, that your team is in any game that they, that they play in. And so if he is healthy, and I know he's battled some health issues over the last year or so. If he is healthy and he's on the field, he's on Costa Rica can tango with anybody. And I think, uh, it's not to hold the pressure and the hopes of a nation on one guy, but if that guy is Kaylor Navas, he's he's used to that pressure first and foremost. But also, if he can get hot, Costa Rica still has the tools to make a deep run because you know he can stop literally any shot on the planet. Yeah, you, you you say that like they can tango with anyone if he's doing well, but like if you look at the group, and I think you know probably the story, maybe the story aside from like the aging players is the group of death. Um, you know you have Spain, you open up with Spain, you, then you play Japan, who's a very good team, and then finish up against Germany. And so I think the the story is you know self preservation. Yeah, yes. I mean. For, absolutely. And Costa Rica is only going to go as far as Keeler Novice is going to take them. Um, the only other thing I would mention is it'd be interesting to see what kind of impact Julius and Bennett has. Uh, 18-year-old kid just moved to Sunderland in England. Uh, the World Cup is known for making stars out of young players. And you look down Costa Rica's roster, it's a lot of, like you said, aging guys and also some young faces. And I think Jewison's probably the one where it's like, it could be a stars born type of moment um, for him. So we know that Navas is going to be the linchpin here, but what makes a successful tournament for Costa Rica? Get two results. And that group, yeah, I was going to say not not finishing last, I think is a success for Costa Rica. Yeah. Yeah. I think two results is a good way to put it. Um, if you can get a surprise result against Spain or Germany, like that reflects very well on you. No, I, I, I think the other thing with that, right? Like if they can play the spoiler, mm-hmm. then I think in a way that's success, right? Because they may be the team that dictates who from this group advances, even if it's them, they may have, the fate of 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 a couple of these teams in their hands when they play that final match day, and if they have that power and that upper hand, then in a way that's kind of success. And I'm not saying that to to dog Costa Rica because I think they're very formidable. I just think they got a really really tough draw. And when you saw this draw, I feel like Costa Ricans probably you know all dropped their heads because they're like, man, what do we got to do uh, to to get? a decent draw because they've had some tough draws in previous world cups. This is no exception. Uh, and I, I really feel from in that regard. Yeah, they are. And definitely it's an honor just to be nominated <laughs> zone, you know, here um, they're in it, you know, getting in is half the battle. Um, so they got three games to shock the world um, and they had to, and they had to qualify through the, uh, through the playoffs. So, yeah, I mean, that is, they finally first they had to beat the United States to get into the playoff and then or at least to solidify that. And then they had to go win the playoff uh, to get in. So I think, uh, you know, as opposed to being a two legged affair, it was just a one legged affair this time around. So, yeah, they had to battle to get in here uh, and they were rewarded basically by being in this group. Yeah, 
All right, this should be quick. Costa Rica, do they advance out of the group, yes or no? No. No, but they do play spoiler to one of the other teams. I didn't, It was a yes or no, Donald. No. I try to make this simple. No. <laughs> I'm also going no. Um, so better luck next time, Costa Rica. Uh, they, you know what, in their defense, next time around, they got a pretty good shot to do do a lot of good in qualifying because – Ain't going to be a lot of competition in that one. Uh, But that's for four years from now. We're talking about this year. So next up, we're going to talk about Mexico. back uh, we have two more teams to talk about uh first up it's going to be mexico jonathan tell us about mexico yeah so mexico um fixture so they're in a group it is you know they first take off poland followed by argentina and then in the group uh with saudi arabia uh and the roster we just got that today uh so the last of the teams to uh to release their roster on the cocky side can we can we break him for a second? Because Tata Martino, uh, I have beef with you because we've been waiting for this. Like you didn't have to wait this long. Literally everyone else had their thing. And like, come on, man. Like yeah. we were trying to record for you and for everyone Pick else. It up, man. No. Yeah, we literally had to postpone recording because we didn't have the Mexican roster. Um, but <laughs> looking acceptable. at the looking at looking at the roster, I mean, there was I would say probably maybe the biggest surprises out of all the CONCACAF teams when we look at this roster, um, you know, some things. So we knew that uh, Tecatito Corona, um, you know, he was going to be not going to make it due to recovering from a fractured fibia, uh, but really the big ones um, that we missed out on. So uh, Diego Linez uh, and uh, Santi Jimenez um, from Feyenoord, who's actually the leading scorer in Europa League at the moment, uh, not making the roster. Um, Tata choosing to take an injured Raul Jimenez, who just really hasn't been the same since his uh, since his injury. Um, but I mean, a lot of the guys you would think they're there: Chuck, uh, Chucky Lozano, Guardado, Hector Herrera, Ochoa. Um, but yeah, really, the Fords being the kind of the story of of this roster of who is and who is not there. All right, so Mexico. They their roster, they always seem to have some contentious cuts at the end. Down, what's the story for you with this Mexican team? The pressure. I mean, for Mexico, it's about El Quinto Partido. Like since 1986, every single time they try to get to the second round, they get to the second round and then they lose that fourth game and they have not been to a fifth game. And that is something that has always haunted them. They've always talked about trying to get to that fifth game, as they call it. Uh, which is the quarterfinal, and they still haven't done it. So that pressure is going to be there for Tata, especially who has been on the hot seat uh, several times over the last year um, with with some of the roster decisions, some of the results that they've had in qualifying, and even some of the results they've had in friendlies. 
it's about getting to that fifth game. If they don't get to that fifth game, that for them, you know, is going to sound the alarm bells and there may be a lot of changes uh, coming down uh, at FMF over that. What about you, Jonathan? What do you think? I mean, I think the story is uh, transition and conflict. Uh, you know, looking at this team, you know, Donald talked about them wanting to get pat- getting to the corner finals, getting past that round of 16. This is going to be the last chance for a lot of guys. Hector Herrera, uh, Andres Guardado, uh, Ochoa. I mean, there's a lot of guys here. He- uh, Hector Moreno. This is their last chance to make that fifth game. And I think that while, you know, we talked about with, um, you know, Canada and the U.S., uh, that they're building towards something, this is like not last chance saloon, but like this is, you know, this is maybe some of these guys' best and only chances um, at this. And then just the conflict. Uh, Tata Martino has, you know, been on the hot seat multiple times. He was, you know, his seat was very warm a month and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just uh, very interested. I mean, I feel like this roster and this team, you know, there's always that one team that just has a, an absolute blow up internally. Um, and I think they could easily be be that team uh, that just absolutely bomb out and don't meet expectations. Yeah. I mean, you did mention it's like the last chance loom for some guys. It really is the last gasp of this group. Um, they've got 10 players returning from their 2018 roster and Ochoa and Gordado. This is going to be their fifth world cup. And this, this is the last chance for these guys to actually see the success to like accomplish, get to that fifth game. And they're really in a tough position because the expectations are so massive. Like if they don't get to a fifth game, you're telling me they they got to get not only get out of the group, which is never easy in this tournament, but they also have to win a knockout game. Also not easy in this tournament, especially with all the pressure, with all the conflict you're talking about. Like this is, I think they're under the most pressure out of all of the teams in CONCACAF without a doubt. I agree with that. Yeah, no, I would agree as well. So down, what makes a successful tournament here? Is it the fifth game? It's the fifth game. Yeah, that's that's literally it. Like if they if they get to the fifth game, automatically people are going to say, "Wow, Tata is great. He got us to the fifth game. We this has been a successful World Cup." If they don't, it's considered a disaster. That's just how they view it. What about you, Jonathan? Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it's a quarterfinal appearance. Like that's success for them. It. I think that's crazy, but considering that Mexico, like. Yeah, the baseline is the expectations. It's not like a tangible success, not a trophy per se. It's literally meeting whatever unreasonable expectations exist for them. And it's going to be tough for them. Like, it's not easy to get out of the group. I mean, you would have to assume that Argentina is going to get through. Saudi Arabia is a winnable game. And Poland, like, it all rides on that. Poland... I mean, you don't know what you're going to get there. Those are two very different styles of teams. And in a group stage tournament, you know, who knows what you're going to get. But Poland also has Robert Lewandowski. Yeah. Yeah. Is Mexico going to get the goal scoring? Um, Is Ochoa going to stand on his head like he tends to do in big moments? I mean, 
you're asking a lot of the guy who's playing in his fifth world cup, but he is also playing his fifth world cup. So he's done it before. So I think it's a really interesting scenario. So advancing out of the group. Yes or no, Jonathan. Yes. Donald. Yes. I'm saying no, because I'm a hater. So, (laughs) I mean, I, I, on my other podcast, I did, I don't end my bracket. I don't have them advancing, but I figured I'm going to be a little pro CONCACAF here. Yeah. I mean, I don't trust that back line enough to shut down Lewandowski. It's definitely going to be difficult for them to get out of the group, but I think, I think they squeak it out. Yeah. I mean, how bad are they going to lose to Argentina? I think it comes down to that. Goal difference mm-hmm. could matter here. All right. So that's Mexico. Now, time for the future champions of the world. Uh, <laughs> kidding. Where am I? The United States of America make their glorious comeback. Start hit at Mark Morrison. It's the return of the Mac. The United States of America are back in the FIFA World Cup after the embarrassing 2018 debacle. Sitting in Group B, they open up against Wales on November 21st before facing England on the 25th and Iran on November 29th. The U.S. roster was announced last week by Greg Berhalter. A uh, couple shocks. Zach Steffen, who has start, started a good chunk of qualifiers, left off the roster. Uh, Matt Turner is the presumptive number one for the United States. Uh, as far as defenders go, the much maligned John Brooks, nowhere to be found. Uh, looks like Walker Zimmerman is going to be the linchpin there. The big surprise was Tim Ream, after being out of the squad for almost a year, is back with the team. He has been having a great year with Fulham, so it's good to see him back uh, in the midfield. I mean, the core is Eunice Musa, Weston McKenney, and Tyler Adams, and this team will go as far as they will take them. And up front, uh, Ricardo Pepe, the dual national, there was a lot of hubbub about him choosing the U.S. He actually does not make the roster. Haji Wright, who had gotten his first U.S. national team call over the summer in a friendly, he makes the squad after having a pretty solid start to the year. Overall, it seems the U.S. roster is very, very healthy at the moment, which, considering what some teams are dealing with, is a blessing for the United States. And Greg Berhalter, he's got his work cut out for him in this group. So let's start with you, Donald. What is the story here for the USA? Yeah, real quickly, I think a couple of other, I I guess, surprise inclusions or exclusions uh, Shaq Moore that didn't really feature much for the United States during qualifying, but makes this roster Paul Ariola, who was, you know, one of the guys who played the most for the U S men's national team during qualifying is left off of this roster. There was some reports that he had picked up uh, an injury during the fitness camp that they had for uh, American best domestic players uh, right before their announcement. So uh, we don't know for sure, but if that's the case, then, uh, what a terrible time to get, you know, an injury. And and he really carried uh, at times the United States or helped carry them uh, throughout qualifying. It was, you know, did a lot of the dirty work. So uh, I was uh, a little, uh, a little disappointed to see him not make the roster. And I know he was bummed as well. I think the story though, of this team is that they are by far the youngest team at this world cup. 
So it's hard to gauge what to expect from them, right? Because expectations for Americans are always high. They're always, you know, elevated because we're the United States. But I mean, I think I saw a, a list of like the top 10 youngest players and like five of them are Americans on this roster. So this team really doesn't have that. They may not feel that pressure um, yet. Maybe they will when the, when the games start, but like, as of right now, this is a group that's just like, Hey, we're, you know, I think the average age is like 22 and a half or something like that. This, this team is ready to roll and they're just, you know, again, everyone's healthy, every healthy ish, or at least, you know, we're in better shape than most teams. And the ability of this team to really come together is going to be the question. And again, when they have some of these moments where things might get dicey or, or, you know, a team, they may let in a goal or they may, you know, not be sound defensively or, 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 or up front. How do they respond to that when everyone is looking at them? I mean, everybody, because there's, you know, billions of people going to watch this tournament. So I, I think that's the story there that we're, we're entering the youngest team and that kind of, uh, confuses people as to what expectations should probably realistically be. What about you, Jonathan? What's the story? Here? I mean, I mean, I th- I would agree with Donald. Uh, I think the youth is is the big story here, and the youth of this team and the inexperience, uh, but the opportunity to um, you know gain that experience as they look forward to to twenty twenty three. And I think it's you know especially when you think about the inexperience of this team, you know, I'll there's one guy, DeAndre Yedlin only player with world cup experience. I mean, hell half of these players didn't have world cup qualifying experience, um, a year and a half ago. So, I mean, this really get is a chance for these players to, um, to prove themselves. And we've seen them, uh, on the club international stage. And a lot of these guys, you know, step up and take those opportunities, but, um, the world cup is, is something completely different. And so it's going to be their chance, uh, to shine there. Yeah. I mean, for me, there, there is a couple things, but I think the youth is really a central component of that. Like there is an ignorance of experience here. It's like they don't know what they're getting into. Some of these guys haven't played outside of like youth tournaments, haven't played like in a tournament format like this before, like a group stage. It's a different game than playing with your club team. Uh, it's a lot of young guys, but also it's a lot of young guys playing in a tournament where it's a lot of games and a lot of action in a short period of time. But generally, like the team is healthy. You can't say that for a lot of the clubs around the world. Like as far as the U.S. goes, like they're pretty much at full strength. What they got is what they got. And they've got all these kids who it's like, yeah, this is really going to be their first real test. You can't. You can't really take into account what happened during qualifying because CONCACAF is such a different world than everything else. Like playing in nice stadiums against top teams, like they haven't had a lot of that in games that matter. And this will be like their first shot. And I'm really interested to see what they're made of. Here. I mean, you say they're healthy, but I mean, they are missing two of their best center backs. I mean, I think that is the story. I mean, you don't have Miles Robinson and you don't have Chris Richards. That's true. That is a fair point. I also think, honestly, if you think about I just want people to kind of understand how inexperienced this team is as a whole. You have three guys who have fewer than 
10 caps on this roster. Obviously, one of them is a goalkeeper in Ethan Horvath, but Joe Scally and Haji Wright could easily be in a lineup. They could start, they could come off the bench, they could appear at some point, and they have three caps each between the two. We have some of the, like half of this roster doesn't even have Gold Cup experience, which we play the Gold Cup every 14 weeks, and they don't have that. (laughs) Now, I will say a lot of them, have uh, a lot of this roster does have nations league experience, which I attribute uh, as the more, you know, more useful experience because yeah. they've played in qualifiers on islands and yeah. they can use that experience at this world cup. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like you look at this roster, like you have a good chunk of your starting group, the guys that played in that nation's league final. And that's probably that nation's league final is probably the closest they're going to get to a world cup environment in the last since 2014 like that is and, uh, and unless they're in copa america or something until yeah, I guess 2026 <laughs> yeah yeah i mean there really hasn't been a lot of opportunity to test yourself but the fact that they're so young like when we've seen surprise teams in this tournament it's usually the teams that are young that it's like guys breaking out on the world stage and I think for the U.S., the opportunity is there. I mean, yeah, we talked about – you pointed out how they are missing some guys on the back line. But as far as up front, the guys who are going to be scoring goals, who are going to make the difference in games, Pulisic, Reyna, Wea, you know. Aronson. McKenney, Aronson, Adams, Musa. Like, those guys are – they're ready. And the team's going to go as far as they can take them. So – what makes a successful tournament for the United States? I think getting out of the group. Um, I think knowing who their potential, who they would potentially face, that they would potentially face more than likely either Senegal or or the Netherlands. I'm not saying they need to make that fifth game, but I think getting out of the group is success for this team. Yep, definitely agree with that. For for the United States, like when we look at the successful world cups that we've been a part of in this modern era, we always look at the ones where we got out of the group as the ones that were successful. And the ones where we failed to get out of the group stage as the ones that were not successful. So there's your benchmark right there. Yeah. I mean, for me, I might take a little heat from this, but not losing to England makes this a successful tournament. <laughs> if no, Like seriously, that game is going to be the most watched world cup game. In the U.S. It's been eight years since they've been on this stage. Everyone thinks that we're not good because we missed the last one. If they can go take on England, who everyone assumes is the gift. To, like they gave us the game. It's their it's their birthright to be good at soccer. If the U.S. gets a result in that game in front of the world, regardless of what happens in the other games, except maybe like if they get their breaks beaten off by like whales and don't get a result against Iran. Like, all right, maybe it's a failure, but getting a result in that game, not only will it put them in the position to get out of the group, which could come down to like goal difference or something dumb like that. I'm willing to forgive that, but they show that they are up to the challenge against the best team in the group or show that they are the best team in the group. I think that's a success. I think that's a good point right like i don't know if that's my version of success but that portion of it i think is very important because the united states 
people who are soccer fans in the United States always compare everything that we do to England. Everything. From, ad nauseum. From how, ad nauseum from how we set up our club system to pro rel to you know how we play to how we chant. They compare everything to England. And what a lot of the casual fans have to be reminded of every single time we play England is that in a World Cup, we've never lost to England. And it's one of those things where if we beat England, the narrative is just automatically fit. Because if you think about England, England, and I can say this without equivocation, England has the most well-known roster on the planet. Everybody on the planet knows every single one of those guys. There's no one who they're like, who is this? Who is this guy in England? Like, yeah. no, because they all play in the Premier League and everyone compares everything to the Premier League. So everyone knows who those guys are. If this ragtag, quote unquote, ragtag group of youth come in and and beat England, that narrative flips where people go, oh, because we don't play the same style as they do. Yeah. And I think if if that happens, maybe people wake up and say, hey, yeah. Maybe our style is good enough. Maybe all these guys who've been coming through Major League Soccer to then go to Europe is good enough because we beat England. And I think yeah. that it doesn't matter what happens. If you see U.S. beats England, people will go, oh, my God, this team is for real. Yeah, it's important for us as a soccer country to be able to look at England and say, fuck you. You're not better than us. Right. You're not better than us. Like that, that's it. Like we are I'm, not only, not only might we beat you and you've never beaten us, but also like you are, you're not superior. Like we are just as good. And I think everyone in the world, especially actually everyone in this country, it's more important. Everyone in this country recognizes that it's like American soccer is just as good as England, just as good as everybody else. It's just a matter of getting to the point where you can win on the world's biggest stage. And and I'll say, you know, to say something I, I you know, put down on paper in a uh, in an, an event with World Soccer Shop. But uh, I look forward to seeing Walker Zimmerman posterize Harry Maguire in tie dye. Oh, I mean, <laughs> my kingdom to see Weston McKinney do with a Harry Potter celebration scoring in the 78th minute to put the U.S. ahead against England. See, I'm a little more petty. I'm like, yo, like, may Christian roll down, come off the bench and score the game winner just to mess with them. Where they're like, wait, who we was, lost, who? but was it to who? Like, who who scored the other goal? And just have them just researching Christian roll down for years and just talk yeah. about like him being like Vibe invited squad, on the talk shows and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. Honestly, I want to shout out Christian roll down for making the World Cup roster because like his story is just incredible. Like, the kid was mm -hmm. in a he was in a fucking it was Adidas commercial for the 2006 World Cup. And now he's in it, the World Cup playing for the U.S. Like, that's the dream. Like. What him a, calling what his parents, uh, they did those videos uh, of them learning that they were making the team. And like mm -hmm. literally Greg said, hey, you're on the team. And the first thing he says, yo, I got to go. I got to call my parents. And he calls his parents. And it was really special. It shows. Yeah. Like Eric, like that these guys have gone through a lot. And, and we, I was joking earlier about it me being petty and, and it being mm -hmm. ruled down. But like, honestly, all these guys have busted their asses to get to this point, whether they were in major league soccer or play abroad, they busted their ass equally to get to where they are. They're all on the same stage. And whether you're a fan of any of these teams, right? Like 
everyone likes to talk about their preferences of who should have made these teams, whether you're a fan of Costa Rica, Canada, Mexico, or the United States. But this is your team. So get behind them, support them with all of your might. Uh, because again, it does not matter when does that matter who they play for. If they play for your arch rival team in the club level, if they score for you, you're gonna be cheering just as loud if it's one of your favorites. So um you congrats to all of them. But yes, that Christian Roldan story is just nothing short of incredible. Yeah. All right. So we'll kind of leave it to this. They advanced out of the group, yes or no? Yes. Yes. Yes, I think, I think this is the this is the team that's gonna turn some heads. I think we're gonna see the U.S. plan into December, and just like for me, I think the long not only does like staying in and advancing in the tournament, like it's success by like winning games. The longer the U.S. stays in this tournament, the greater for the game it's gonna be. Cause, man, if they can get, if they can get through to the the round of sixteen, if they win a round of sixteen game, that's a full week and a half of the whole country's attention focused on this tournament and focused on the team and being good. Just like it would mean so so much for that, and I think just the just the potential for this roster, it's. It's pretty incredible. A lot of guys who are going to become household names over the next month. Um, do you guys have anything else you want to add about the U.S. team? What you're hoping for? Like what you're looking forward to? Is there any like, is there any specific thing that you're looking forward to in this tournament from this team? I think for me, it's like you mentioned at the end. Four years ago, we missed out on some of these guys being able to become household names, and now they get that opportunity. And I couldn't be more happy for this group of guys because they get to again step up and and make a name for themselves. Uh, wait, wait, not- you're t- you're talking about us, right? You can't be happier for us that the three of us get to see our team in the World Cup again. Yeah, or, and just really to see them make become stars become those people where you know everyone i mean even christian Pulisic, everyone's like well how good is he yeah he plays for chelsea but i haven't seen him in a world cup you still hear that and that's like not his fault but now in just under a week he's gonna he doesn't have to hear that anymore and we don't either (laughs) so uh so i'm really happy for these guys as they go on this journey and let's see how far it goes what about you jonathan i mean I'm just excited to see this team just in general. It's been it's been eight years um since we've we've seen the this team in a World Cup. We've seen the United States. And while maybe some of the excitement um is a little uh dampened by the fact of everything that is going around uh Qatar, mm-hmm. um I am excited to see what this team does to speak out against a lot of the injustice that's happening in the country, because we've seen these players um, constantly show up and, and, you know, take on the, the take on injustice and, and talk about, you know, the important things in the world. So I'm just, that's maybe something I'm excited to see is what this team does and how they um, shed a light on, on a lot of, you know, the human rights abuses in the country. Yeah, no, I definitely expect 
that the, the squad to represent our country well. Um, They've already done the, uh, the, they did the training facility in rainbow colors and for the World Cup, U.S. soccer has changed the crest uh, to the rainbow crest that they do during Pride Month every year, which I think um, is a first step. And I'm pretty sure that they're going to be uh, wearing the rainbow armband. Uh, I'm pretty, I'm, I don't think they've announced the captain officially, but mm-hmm. whoever is the captain is going to wear the rainbow armband on the field. And basically U.S. soccer said, we'll take whatever fine FIFA wants to give us for that, but we're going to wear it. So yeah. um, I think that's a pretty, pretty major step for a, for a team to do. And it, it sounds like it was in part influenced by what the players wanted to do to kind of show their support for uh for LGBTQ and just really just to highlight some of the atrocities that have gone on over there. Yeah. No, I mean, especially these days, you almost have to like think twice about how you might look when you're, you know, when you're cheering on your country like this, like there is that jingoistic element to supporting your national team. And it has been, rough not only since like the embarrassment of like missing just like everything in this country for like the last eight years like it's been tough but the one thing talking about like being the change and all the things that roster has to do the one reason i love rooting for this team is because they actually represent like what's great about the country like you see faces from all over the country really all over the world like you don't have to be born in the u.s to be an american and you got kids of service members around the world. You got people who got your Christian Pulisic who grew up in Hershey, Pennsylvania to Eunice Musa, who was just happened to be born grew in, in the L- U S grew, grew, grew up. In up London. Uh, yeah. But like, he's American because yeah, you were born here. It means you're in the club, but they're all together. You've got different colors, different regions of the country, just like, it is the cross section of like what we can be. And when they succeed on the field, it shows like how we succeed as a people. So I'm just really excited for the opportunity that they have to kind of unite everybody and show that, you know, cheering for America can be good. Amen. On that note, now that we got all emotional, um, let's, let's wrap it up uh donald do you want to tell everyone where they can find you yeah we're doing a ton of world cup content as is everybody else but at stars and stripes fc at stars stripes fc or stars and stripes fc.com check it out we're gonna i mean we're having several articles a day uh not just around the u.s national team but around all of the world cup and, and really sb nation is doing it as well so look for a lot of my content over there over the next few weeks Jonathan. Yeah. And you can find uh me at uh on Twitter, J Slape SSP, um, and then Broadway Sports Media and Speedway Soccer. Um, we actually just did a live show earlier today. Um, that is now it's available on YouTube right now on the Broadway Sports uh feed, but also will be popping up in podcast form in the next uh you know day or so. Jonathan, did you see my I, I was listening in? Did you see my comment on the Twitter feed? I did not see your comment on the Twitter oh. feed. You're talking about the U.S. number nine position. I said Teal Bunbury is not walking through that door. Yeah. <laughs> you know the funny not right now, is, not with that you, attitude. You say you say that. So we were talking about uh, 
jerseys um before we started recording and mm-hmm. like everyone was talking about like some of the like more um and i somewhere have a teal bunbury uh national team jersey along with a one agadello one yeah legend vibe squad, vibe squad. listen if there's anything we need right now, it's vibes. This is the, it's the world cup. So thanks everyone for listening in. Uh, go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash podcast, where you can listen to the one more round episode that we're going to be recording once we finish up here. As far as also other one more round episodes, you'll get early releases of our podcasts, including this one. So if you're listening to this before the rest of the world can, congratulations. You also can uh, scope out and search for that discount for the world of CONCACAF podcast store. I can't guarantee what kind of content we're going to have. Donald and I are both headed over to Qatar, um, both looking forward to cheering on the U S in person. If we can do some live content, we certainly will. If I can contribute, I'm going to post what I can. Um, by the way, did do you guys see the Cafe that they got over in Doha? Oh, yeah. I'm just going to let you guys know that either Eric and or myself, we will find that place and we will go there and we will see what happens. I've already been getting texts from people saying, hey, they're going to charge you forty seven dollars, but they're going to throw it. It's going to be included with some batteries. And uh, also, when you ask for something, they're going to they're going to trip you as you order your coffee. Like all the CONCACAF jokes have already started to come in and we're going to we're going to find this because I think I think we have to do it for the brand. Yeah, they're gonna bring I you the bill. The, they're gonna bring you the bill in a plain Manila envelope. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess last question. Actually, we're gonna talk about this on one more round. Yeah, what we're gonna talk about what we're gonna talk about in one more round is what dishes do you think are being served at the Conca Cafe? Oh, and God. that's what we're gonna talk about in one more round. I can't wait. Thanks Head on everyone over. for listening in. Enjoy the World Cup. Go go USA. Thank you.